Thanks for joining us online today. We're really glad you're with us. Yeah, Core Church is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And we want you to come see us at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can be of any support to you, we'd love to connect with you. There's lots of links in the description below, whether that's prayer or support in any way. We pray that this message is going to both encourage you and inspire you. If you are new here, my name is Paula, and I am one of the pastors, and I um, am just excited to be here this morning to speak to you. We are going to be in John chapter 21. If you want to get a head start and get your Bibles open, if you don't have a Bible, two great apps that we use are YouVersion and the Bible Hub. The YouVersion is where we have our daily devotions that go right along with our sermons each, each week, and it's really, really helpful. Well, this year, our word for the year has been inconvenient faith because we know that following Jesus is inconvenient. But we also know that convenience is the enemy of our soul. So we have taken our eight core practices this year and we have called them our inconvenient practices. And this month we have been talking about inconvenient serving. Last week, Pastor Brad talked about serving in the shadows. And today we are going to talk about simple to significant. John chapter 21, we're gonna start in verse 15, but if you're new to scripture, this book was written by John, who is one of the disciples. And what we're reading today is a conversation between Jesus and Peter, who is another disciple. Peter is the disciple who betrayed Jesus three times when Jesus was arrested. And this conversation is taking place after Jesus has been arrested, after he's died, he's risen from the dead, and, but he hasn't yet ascended into heaven. So this is kind of a weird in-between time for Peter and the disciples. So what Peter does is he goes back to what he knows, what he's familiar with. Before he was a disciple, he was a fisherman. So he goes back to fishing and he takes a few of the disciples with him. Now, Jesus during this time has been showing up at different times, um, just appearing before the disciples. And so while they're out on the boats... Jesus shows up on the shore. They don't know that it's him, but he yells out to them and asks them, are you catching anything? They said, nope, we're not catching anything. And he said, take your net and put it on the right side of the boat and you'll catch some. So they listen to him, they put the nets on the right side and their nets are overflowing with fish. This was such a simple instruction, but because of their obedience, God did something significant. Now, they realized that this was a miracle, and now they know it's Jesus at the shore, so they head back to shore. Jesus has breakfast waiting for them. We're going to pick up the story after breakfast. Verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. 
A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Lord, today we just come before you and we just surrender our hearts to you. We open up our ears, open up our hearts to receive the word that you have from us today. We ask that you teach us, that you lead us, and that you transform us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Recently, I was at an event where the speaker was the coach of the Tulsa Little League team. This is the team that uh, were the Oklahoma State champions, and they went to Texas to the regional tournament, and they had a video go viral. And this coach told us all the behind the scenes that happened that led up to the video and what happened after the video. He said that all the teams, the regional teams were there. They were all together. There were eight teams of 11 and 12-year-old boys all staying in the same hotel for a week. Can you imagine As a mom of five boys, all I can say is, God bless those coaches. The coaches told the boys, you're going to be together all week, so have fun, get to know each other, and make friends. So two of the boys that did that were Isaiah Jarvis of the Tulsa team and Caden Sheldon of the Texas East team. They are known as Zay and Bubs. Both of their teams ended up going to the last game. And these two boys who'd become friends, Zay and Bubs, find themselves facing off at this last game. And this is the game that determines which team goes to the Little League World Series. Zay is up at bat, and Bubs is pitching to him. Let's watch what happens. Zay was on the ground for over a minute, and his coach said that from the sideline, it looked as though his face had been shattered. But amazingly, he only had a small bruise. He was able to get up, shake it off. They walked him to first base, and he is ready to continue the game. Bubs, however, standing on the mound, and he is shaken. Look what happens next. This is really cool because as a pitcher, Bubs looks shaken up right now because of what he did. And look at Zay Jarvis. This is such great sportsmanship. He wants him to know that it's okay, that he'll be fine. Hey, look at me. Look at me. You're all right. You're all right. Look at me. Look at me. 
What a stud right there. Zay Jarvis. What Zay did is unheard of in sports. He did the one thing that you do not do. He moved out of position. He left the safe zone of his base, walked across the field to comfort the opposing team. You just don't do that. You don't show vulnerability. You don't show feelings. I mean, can you imagine two quarterbacks hugging each other in the first quarter? That's not going to happen. I mean, I know they slap each other's butts after the game, but during the game, there is no hugging. <laughs> Just think about what it took for Zay and his team to get to that game. The years of practices and drill sets and games and fundraisers. There's a fortune in sports. And this is the game that determines if they go to the World Series. For a 12-year-old boy, this is everything. Zay risked everything. He risked the game. He risked his reputation. He risked rejection. Because Bubs is standing on the mound. He's breaking down in front of everybody. He's breaking down in front of his team, the opposing team, the fans. It was televised. I am sure the last thing he wanted was to be hugged in front of everyone. But for Zay, it was worth the risk. What Zay did was radically different than the world. The coach said that the video of the hug immediately went viral. And within 20 minutes after the game, he was receiving phone calls from CBS, NBC, ABC, CNN, ESPN, all of the major networks wanted to interview Zay. He ended up doing over 20 interviews, and the coach said that at every interview, when he was asked, why did you do it? He answered, I just wanted to show the love of Jesus. This is a 12-year-old boy. When you break it all down, what Zay did was simple. It was a simple hug. But that simple hug gave him a national platform to proclaim Jesus to the world. And you know, because he took that risk, God blessed him and blessed that team, and they won the game, and they went to the World Series. No, that didn't happen. This is... The core practice is sacrificial serving. <laughs> they didn't win the game. They lost the game. But Jesus won the glory. Yes. Sometimes we think that, that serving has to be something huge. I mean, Pastor Brad and Laura just got back from Ethiopia. Isn't that what serving looks like? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes serving Jesus is big. But in our everyday life, as the everyday church, serving is simple. What Zay did that day was simple. What God did was significant. If you're taking notes, write this down. God will take the simple and make it significant.
Jesus' response to Peter, who betrayed him, was all, also radically different than what we would expect. What Jesus does is simple, but we think that something big is going to happen. I mean, the, the disciples are coming to shore. They are facing the resurrected Jesus. They, they probably were expecting there to be a, a glow around him. We would think that the disciples would be falling on their faces, that there would be lights of flashing, the lightning just flashing and sounds of thunder and Jesus' voice saying, Peter, what have you done? But Jesus' response is radically different. And if you go up a little bit to verse 13, it says, then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. Jesus is serving a meal to the disciples. This looks simple, but it's significant because he didn't just serve the meal, but he cooked the meal. Because if you go up to verse nine, it says, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire. Have you ever made a charcoal fire before? Those things take time and effort. And this was before dawn, so Jesus had to get up way early to get that charcoal going. And actually, to be honest, we don't really know. Scripture doesn't tell us exactly how Jesus got it going. I mean, he could have just breathed on it and poof, there were flames. That would be okay. It's a thought that counts. But Jesus was so intentional. He didn't wait till they got to shore and, and then ask them if they were hungry. And, and he didn't say, you know, if you need anything, just let me know. He had breakfast waiting for them. And we have to understand that he's serving Peter. Jesus, what are you thinking? Peter's the guy who totally denied you. He left you out in the cold and now you're serving him breakfast? Jesus is setting an example to Peter and to us to how to be radically different from the world. When Jesus was arrested, Peter didn't respond like Zay. He didn't risk everything. When Peter first became a follower, he did risk everything. You know, when it was all bougie to follow Jesus, he was walking on water and slashing ears off. But serving Jesus just got real. This happens to us. Sunday mornings, we're, we're here, we're praising Jesus, and we're getting fired up about our, our purpose, and then we surrender to God, and we leave here saying, I'm available, and I'm willing. And then tomorrow is Monday, and life gets real with work and kids and Christmas and activities, and it's cold outside. And we wake up one day and we realize we've left Jesus out in the cold. And we've left bubs standing on the mound. This is where Peter is. He woke up one day and realized that he walked away from his friend. So he he leaves, he goes back to fishing. We can feel like that, like we've, we've missed the mark too much or, or too bad and, and we don't have a place anymore. So we go back to our old life, to our old habits, to our old mindsets. 
but Jesus. He redeems us and he brings us back. And this is what he does with Peter. In verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He's, he's talking about the disciples. Do you love me more than the disciples? And if you don't know Peter's story, this is really confusing because Jesus calls him Simon. He calls him Peter. He calls him Simon Peter. I mean, what is this guy's name? But before Jesus was, uh, before Peter was a disciple, he was a fisherman and his name was Simon. Jesus, when he became a disciple, changed his name to Peter. When Jesus calls Peter Simon, son of John, he is reminding him of the conversation when his name changed. This is recorded in Matthew 16. Jesus asked Simon, who do you say I am? And Simon said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells him, you're blessed because God revealed this to you. And then in Verse 18, Jesus says, now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. When Jesus calls him Simon, son of John, He's reminding Peter, you know who I am. You know I'm the Messiah. Come back to me. I've given you a new name and a new identity. I still have a plan for you. I'm not done with you. Tell somebody next to you, God is not done with you. So Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Jesus asked him this question three times. If you've been around scripture, you know that Jesus is giving Peter an opportunity to restore his relationship with him because Peter denied Jesus three times. And now Jesus gives him three opportunities to say, I love you. But Peter is still holding back because when Jesus asks, do you love me? Jesus uses the Greek word agape for love, which means unconditional, faithful, committed love from a surrendered heart. When Peter answers, you know I love you, he answers with the Greek word philia, meaning brotherly affection. So Jesus is asking, do you love me? Do you really love me? Are you surrendered to me? Are you committed to me? And Jesus is answering, yeah, you're my bro. I love you like I love my tacos. He is not responding, Lord, I love you. I'm surrendered to you. I had a couple of ladies come to my door a few weeks ago, knocked on the door. It was a Saturday morning. I'm in my jammies. I'm in my safe zone, my personal space. And they come to my door. 
This was right after the tragic fire in Broken Arrow, house fire that killed an entire family that's under investigation. And they said, in light of this tragedy, we're just out checking on our neighbors. We just want to make sure that you're okay. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. I said, where do you live? And she goes, um, 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 South Broken Arrow? I don't live anywhere near South Broken Arrow. I don't even live in Tulsa County. I live out in the country in North Wagner County. So I'm like, obviously not my neighbors, so what do you want? She gets out her laminated poster with all the pictures, and she begins to walk me through her religious beliefs. I didn't feel loved, and I didn't feel cared for. I felt manipulated. And we, we've all had salespeople come to our door, and, and they're like that. You know, hey, I was just walking down the street thinking about you, and they whip out their pamphlets. I was just thinking, you need new windows, or you need that fake siding that looks like the real thing. Or what about the, the guy who's selling the security system that you wished you owned so you would have known not to answer the door? <laughs> but this ended up being a real convicting experience for me because I'm, I, I think we just have to ask ourselves, are we selling the gospel or are we sharing the gospel? And what does that look like? I mean, I'm, I'm sure these ladies had sisterly affection for me. But I was asking, do you love me? Do you care about me? Because you don't even know me. You don't know my name. You don't know my story. You're not even my neighbors. If they had actually been my neighbors who were just checking on me or were actually willing to do something tangible to help me, like like if they were my neighbors and they knew that I love homemade chocolate chip cookies, they would have brought me some cookies. Or or maybe they would have brought my my trash cans up from the road for me or, or blown the leaves off of my porch. Then I would have felt that agape love. Just like like the time my horse and my donkey got loose. Live out in the country. And my, my, my neighbor, Richard, he didn't get mad about it. He didn't call animal control. He got a bucket of feed and he coaxed him into the pen and he called me and said, hey, Paula, I've got your animals and they're safe. These are simple things, but they're significant. And the difference between the the ladies that knocked on my door and our neighbors is relationship. Zay and Bubs, what, what preceded that hug was a relationship. Zay had a relationship with Jesus and he had a relationship with Bubs. And we see this with, with Jesus And Peter, Jesus is not manipulating Peter so that he'll serve him. 
Jesus serves Peter breakfast with agape love because he has a relationship with him. When Jesus asks, do you love me? He's saying, come back to me. Come back into relationship. And out of that relationship, Jesus calls Peter to serve. When Peter says, I love you, Jesus says, feed my lambs, care for my sheep, feed my sheep. And he's not talking about the farm animals. He's talking about people. Feed my people. Care for my people. We are called to serve people. Why? Write this down. We meet people's spiritual needs by meeting their physical and emotional needs. I'm going to repeat that. We meet people's spiritual needs by meeting their physical and emotional needs. Last week, Pastor Brad talked about our sending prayer that we say at the end of each service. And part of that prayer, we say, I am available and willing to be used by you for your glory and honor. A few years ago, I was serving right here at CORE And I had a young woman come up to me. She was needing prayer. I'd never seen her before. But she told me that she's been addicted to drugs since she was 12 years old. That's how old Zay and Bubs are. It's just a kid. And she she said she'd had a really rough, life. She just experienced things that most of us will never experience. And she looked like life had beaten her down, her her hair and the expression on her face. And she told me last night I was standing on a bridge wanting to jump. I prayed with her. I encouraged her. I got her phone number. I got her connected to a support group that was meeting after service. But she walked out those doors and she didn't come back. She didn't show up to the support meeting. I tried calling her. I left messages. I sent her text messages. She never responded. I didn't know what happened to her. I didn't know if she made it. or if she went back to that bridge. 
but I knew her name. And I knew her story. And I kept praying. A year and a half later, she walks back in those doors. She came up to me and she said, do you remember me? And I said, you're the girl from the bridge. I have prayed and prayed and prayed for you. And she says, I know you have. And we hugged and we cried. And later she would tell me, Paula, you kept calling me and texting me. I would hold my phone up to my friends and say, this woman (laughs) keeps texting me. She's praying for me. She said, Paula, you saved my life because I knew someone in the world cared about me. I didn't save her. Jesus saved her. I was just available and willing. What I did was simple. What God did was significant. Today, that girl's a follower of Christ. She's free from her addiction, and she is serving Jesus with all of her heart. But that day she came to me for prayer, what she was really asking was, do you love me? Do you care about me? This is what the world is asking. Do you love me? This is what your neighbor is asking. Do you love me? This is what your coworkers and your classmates are asking. Do you love me? This is what the waitress and the cashier and the person sitting next to you is asking. Do you love me? How do we answer this question with agape love? Well, when you have a coworker who's having a bad day like Bubs, show compassion. You don't have to hug them, but you can give them an encouragement card. You know that card you sat on when you came in today? The one that says hope, healing, peace, and purpose. You can just ask them what's going on. Send them a text message. Pray with them. Oh, pray with them. Are you kidding me? Prayer can be simple. God, help my friend in Jesus' name. That is a prayer. If you, uh, I want you to get to know your neighbors, know their name. So when you wave at them, you can say, hey, Gary, how's Kate? If you have a a classmate or a teammate that that is struggling and needs help, help them. Help them out with the assignment or, or learning that new skill. If you know somebody who just got out of the hospital, take them a meal. 
Better yet, take the meal while they're in the hospital. Curtis went to visit a friend one time and he took him a rib crib dinner. That is agape love. (laughs) Tell somebody, God will take the simple and make it significant. Finally, if we go down to verse 19, the last thing Jesus tells Peter is, follow me. Remember, when Jesus called Peter to be a disciple, Peter was a fisherman. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of people. Jesus now says, follow me. He's asking, do you love me? If you love me, you gotta stop fishing for yourself. Feed my people. Care for my people. Tell the person next to you, I need to stop fishing for myself. When Jesus says, follow me, he's he's not saying, follow me for yourself. He's saying, follow me into serving, and it's non-negotiable. Andy Stanley, who is a well-known pastor, says it this way. You get to choose whether or not to follow Jesus, but you do not get to choose what that looks like, acts like, sounds like, or reacts like. It is prescribed to us. We have been told what it looks like. Do you know what it looks like, acts like, sounds like, and reacts like? Like Jesus. It's simple, but it's significant. And we know that we are living in a world that is not following Jesus. But they know enough about Jesus to know when we are not acting or reacting like Jesus would act or react. Knowing and caring for our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, our teammates is non-negotiable. It's what we're following Jesus into. And can I tell you that when Jesus says, follow me, he is saying, I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to tell you what you can do. My spirit will prompt you. Be available. Be willing and be simple and watch God make it significant. Father, I just thank you for this word, this message today. I I just ask that you help us. God, give us the boldness that Zay had when he got out of his safety zone and he crossed over that field to show your love. Give us that boldness. Give us the the heart that is available and the heart that is willing. And lead us this week, God. Make us aware of the simple things that we can do to honor you and to show your love. 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We hope the message you heard both encourages you and inspires you. Yeah, we'd love for you all to come and see us at Core Church at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can support you in any way or you'd like to get connected with us, there are links in the description below. Thanks again for joining us online.